Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Have you ever put any thought to what you want on your tombstone? kind of a pressure-packed decision, don't you think? I mean, it's a chance to say something about yourself forever or to say something about people who walk by, say something to them, you know, maybe forever, maybe for a really long time, maybe for a short time. We don't know until Jesus comes back. So, I don't know. I just thought it was a pressure-packed decision. So, I was just curious, you know, what are some cool things or what are some interesting things or what are some whatever things that people put on their tombstone, epitaphs? So, I have a few to show you. Karen, would you put one up there? Remember, man, as you go by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so shall you be. Prepare yourself to follow me. You know, that's not bad. That's not a bad message. What's the next one? Oh, yeah, Steve, Steve Jobs, founder of Apple there. So being the richest man in the cemetery doesn't matter to me. Going to bed at night saying we've done something wonderful. That's what matters to me. Um, and, you know, he basically came up with the iPhone. So we can say yay or nay to that being wonderful, you know, or not. But it definitely changed our lives. Raised four beautiful daughters with only one bathroom and still there was love. <laughs> that, that's pretty good. Is there one more? Oh, yeah. Gone fishing. So there's some interesting epitaphs out there. Uh, the funny thing about epitaphs is, you know, you can write one, you can ask for it to be put on your tombstone, but you're not going to be around to make sure that it's done. And so it's way better to live your epitaph and let other people write it who are remembering you after you're gone. I don't know if anybody would ever want to put God strong on their tombstone, you know. Um, Probably confuse a lot of people maybe, but uh, I was thinking we sure want to live God strong. And right here in Daniel chapter 2, there's there's some helps here for living a God strong life. We're going to, Daniel 2 is the longest chapter in the book of Daniel, so we're going to take it into into two parts this Sunday and next Sunday. Um, Before we jump into it, let me pray. All right. Father in heaven, um, we're grateful to be able to be here today and and to be able to sit under your word and um, have you speak to us through it. And that's what we trust um, happens every week. Um, And we're thankful for this treasure that you've given us in our life, um, uh, the way that it counsels us, the way that it spurs us on, the way that it challenges us. We're thankful for your Holy Spirit that you've given us when we believed in Jesus um, that helps us to translate these words uh, to our lives, to apply them to our lives, and then to go and and live them out. Um, So, Father, make make today a fruitful day under your word. Um, 
let it uh, bear fruit in our lives even this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first help is from the first verse. Um, help for giving, living a God's strong life. Trust the activity. Verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Now, you might be wondering, what does trust the activity have to do with King Nebuchadnezzar's dreams? And that's a, that's a fair question, actually, a really good question. We don't find out later, until later in the chapter, where the dream came from. Um, but it, it comes up in verse 45. So it's not a bad meal that uh, the king ate that gave him this dream. It was God. Verse 45 says, A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretations is sure. So God gave a pagan king who believed that if he, if, if God is out there that he had defeated him because he defeated the southern kingdom of Israel, a, a pagan king that worshipped idols made by human hands, a king who had a lot of power and might in, in Babylon and in the country, one of the top leaders of the world, a king who was on the opposing side of the spiritual battle, God gave him a dream about future events. We'll get into the dream next week, but this is an incident of God, this incident of God disturbing King Nebuchadnezzar's sleep is an example of the activity he undertakes every single day, every hour of every day, trying to reach people who don't believe in him. God is on mission. He is on mission even right now. He is on mission to save people from eternal separation from himself. He is on mission to save people to himself. That's what he's, he's doing. Now, he's got some different ways that he does that. The primary way that God is trying to reveal himself to people is through his creation. What, he's, what he has created. It's constantly sending a message to all people 24-7 all over the world that God is there and he is amazing. Uh, Psalm 19, verses 1 to 4. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And then another important verse in regards to this activity, Romans 1, verses 18 to 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and in the in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So creation is speaking this 24-7 message that God is there and God is amazing. Um, that's called general revelation. It's general revelation that God is there and God is amazing. Now, general revelation isn't enough. Just knowing that God is there and God is amazing isn't enough to know God. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, it says, God desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So there's truth to know out there about God. There's uh, truth about his love for us. There's truth about our sins against him and what that does to our relationship. 
Um, there's a salvation out there to experience. There's a salvation uh, from the wrath of God. That same salvation to a life with God. Those things God is wanting to get across. Um, and so it takes more than general revelation that God is there and God is amazing. So you know what God does? He goes further than general revelation to special revelation. And that is when he breaks into the lives of individual people with miraculous things. Things that can only be explained by him. Now in India, um, God is doing a lot of special revelation through miraculous healings. You can talk to Pastor Macwan. There's story after story just from his ministry of God healing people and that causing them to turn to him and then they hear the gospel and they become believers. Rescued from Hinduism. God giving King Nebuchadnezzar this dream was special revelation. Does God still give dreams to people? Yes. Yes, he absolutely does. It is not the primary activity that he's engaged in to let people know about him and um, and to reveal himself to people, but he is absolutely giving dreams to people today. You don't have to look very far to find testimony after testimony of, of Muslims today who are having Jesus dreams. And through that dream, they turn from Islam to him. You, I, I encourage you to go find them. Go, go hunt them up and hear how the special revelation is coming to Muslims. Now, when you do that, I want you to, to be cautious there. Um, have a discerning heart in what you're hearing and what you're seeing. Um, compare it to God's word. But I'll tell you, from what I have heard, heard and seen, God is giving a lot of Jesus dreams to a lot of Muslims. And they're turning from the darkness to the light. It's special revelation. Now, the ultimate form of special revelation was the person of Jesus Christ. And the Bible gives us the greatest way to reveal him to other people who are not believers. But the problem is people who aren't believers either don't have access to a Bible or they don't have any interest in a Bible. And that's where you and I can come in. You know what God's crowning of creation was? You. You, men and women, we were the last and greatest miracle on the sixth day of creation. And we are the only part of his creation that bears his image. And as such, we have the greatest capacity to bring special revelation to people who don't know him. So they can believe. Romans 10, 13, uh, 13 to 17 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And we are the conduit for the word of Christ. We are God's plan A to bring special revelation to people in the world today. We are. And if we're going to be part of that plan, 
we got to be God strong. And if we're going to be God strong, we have got to trust the activity of God in the lives of unbelievers. That he is actively at work. Otherwise, we will feel like we're trying to do it alone to get it accomplished. So really, all we're doing, all we're doing is we're just joining God in his effort to reach people. We're we're just kind of coming alongside him and trusting in him, leaning on him to show us where to go and who to talk to and how to bring up spiritual things. And he, when we do that, he, he leads us to people. Just like Daniel right here, he's getting led to King Nebuchadnezzar to help him discern what this special, special revelation from God was all about. And so God does the same thing with us. He'll, he'll send us to people who are ready to hear about Jesus, people who need hope, who need light, people who need encouragement. And if we're going to be available for that work, we've got to trust the activity of God. Otherwise, the burden's going to feel too big and we'll shrink back from doing it, being part of the plan. And if we do that, we're going to miss out on a very important part of a God-strong life. So trust the activity of God that is going on out there. Now, in verses 2 to 11, get the next help. Learn from the absence. Then the king commanded... That the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever! Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to them, said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time. Because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can, put, who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. So in these verses, we get a great example, not of the God's strong life, but of the godless life. The godless life. King Nebuchadnezzar, he, his dreams are troubling him in spirit, and so he calls together a bunch of his professional dream interpreters that are under his command. He, and he comes and he tells them what's going on. And so when, when he tells them, they reply like any normal human professional dream interpreter would. Tell us a dream. And we'll tell you what it means. Uh, but for some reason, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar didn't trust them and their abilities. And so he makes this demand. He says, look, I'm serious about this. You tell me the dream. And then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. And if you can't, I'm going to put all of you to death. And I'm going to destroy your property. I'm going to wipe you out from the face of the earth. If you can, I'm going to give you gifts. I'm going to give you great honor and great reward in the kingdom. And so now the stakes are higher. 
So the Chaldeans, you know, they come back and they're like, hey, king, uh, tell us a dream. You know, be reasonable here. Tell us a dream and and we'll know that uh, and we'll interpret it for you. Um, so they're basically, you know, their lives are now in danger. They, they are under the threat of extermination. And so they answer back this way. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, he comes back. He's like, you guys are just stalling for time. You can't do it. Prove it to me. You know I'm dead serious about this. If you don't tell me the dream, you're dead. There's only one sentence for you. You're just conspiring to scam me. You're waiting until I change my mind about this. So tell me the dream and I'll know I can trust the interpretation that you come up with. And then they get into full panic mode. You know, he is serious. So they say the truest thing that they have ever said to the king in their entire lives, in their entire professional careers, dream interpreters, they say, there is not a man alive who can tell you what you want to know. It is bigger than us. It is beyond us. You have got to go to a higher power. What a setup for God to show up. Now, the crazy exchange here, it, it, it shows us what life looks like without God. It, when man is left to himself to try and, and figure things out on his own, you know, when life throws something at us, we're, we're trusting our own strength and our own wisdom, um, what, whatever the future holds, you know, how we should live in this or that. When, when we are trying to do life the godless way, all we can do is what we see right here in, in these verses. What these men are doing. What are they doing? They're losing sleep over dreams. They're worrying about what they might mean. They're fearing the future. They're not trusting anyone. Anger is ruling over them. They are dealing with people in extremes, good and bad. Without God, there is panic, there is stress, there is limitations of our own smarts and giftedness and abilities. Without God, there is no peace, there is no security, there is no satisfaction, there is no hope, and there are no answers. Without God. So what we're reading here is the antithesis of the God-strong life. It is the exact opposite of the way we want to live. And so we need to learn. We need to learn from the absence of God in these men's lives. Now, of course, he's not absent from their lives, right? He's there, but they're living like he's not. They're on their own. How often do we live like that? How often do we live like he's not there? Now, to help you answer that, um, look Look for the symptoms of the absence in your life. There are emotional symptoms that you will see in your life. Anxiety, worry, panic, and fear. When we're walking through this life and we get hit with something that's beyond us and we're living more of the God-less life than the God-strong life, we will experience these emotional symptoms and they will overpower us. And then that leads to physical symptoms like sleeplessness. Or higher blood pressure or tightness in your chest. It'll cause headaches, lack of energy, and an appetite for anything that will bring some comfort, food or sex or entertainment. 
That's what the godless life is like. Now, don't misunderstand me. It is not that God's strong people don't experience these symptoms because we live in the same physical world as godless people. We will experience them, but they won't overwhelm us. They won't define us because we have a way to offload all these circumstances and problems that are bigger than us to our great God, a loving, merciful, gracious, good God. 1 Peter 5.7, if you don't have that memorized, you need to memorize it. Give all your worries and cares to God because He cares for you. Peter, Peter meant all of them. All. All. All of them. Give them all to God. Do it every day. And sometimes, I know, sometimes in a, in a day that's tough, you might have to do that every hour of the day, right? But do it. When you do it, peace comes. Strength comes. Rest, security, joy. You know, last week I had this terrible night's sleep. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making this up. This happened last week. I went to bed, my body started to go to sleep, my mind never did. You ever have nights like that? And I probably needed to get to sleep, you know, I probably had to get up, so I'm like, go to sleep, go to sleep. But I kept thinking of all these problems, all these things kept running through my mind. And my body would go to sleep, my mind would wake me up with another problem, things to fix. You know, after a few hours of this, I'm laying there, and I get this picture in my head of God's hands outstretched in front of me, open and up. And he said to me, put it in my hands. Put it in my hands. And so I started to do that. Everything I was thinking about, every problem that was bugging me, everything I wanted to fix, every fear, every worry, all that stuff, you know how that stuff's worse at night, right? I kept putting it in his hands. You know what happened? Sleep came. Then rest. And in the morning, answers. That's what happened. That's the way we want to live. That's what we want to learn from the absence of the, uh, what we're seeing here in the godless life. God is with us. God is for us. And God is able. That's our God. Patrick Smith, he's a commercial airline pilot. He flies 757s and 767s, and he's noticed that passengers who fly, their number one anxiety is turbulence. You know, it just seems so awful, so, so dangerous. But he argues that from the pilot's perspective, turbulence is just kind of blip on the radar. I mean, it's just like no big thing. And he wrote this, For all intents and purposes, a plane cannot flip upside down, throw, be thrown into a tailspin, or otherwise flung from the sky by even the mightiest gust of wind or an air pocket. Conditions might be annoying and uncomfortable, but the plane is not going to crash. Turbulence is an aggravating nuisance for everybody, including the crew, but it's also, for lack of a better term, normal. From a pilot's perspective, it is ordinarily seen as a a convenience issue, not a safety issue. Um, When a flight changes altitude looking for smoother air, it is about comfort for the passengers. They are not worried about the wings falling off, They're worried about keeping the coffee in the right place. (laughs) 
So in its worst, passengers probably imagine pilots in the cockpit as the plane is getting bounced around from right to left, up and down. They're white-knuckling the wheel. They're shouting out orders to each other, trying to keep the plane from going down. But in reality, they're actually having casual conversation over their morning orange juice. See, we can live our lives like those passengers. Like our number one fear is turbulence in this life. We fret, don't we? We we fret and fuss about difficult days, about difficult classes, about difficult tests, about difficult diagnoses. We fret and fuss. We have this fear, fear that we're going to go through a turbulent storm and we're not going to make it. But God, he's like those pilots. He understands that turbulence is just a normal part of this life because of the world we live in. It's a fallen world. And he will make adjustments for us to get us more comfortable, to get us through. But to him, it's just a blip on the radar. He has got you. He is not worried about it. He's not panicked about it. He is not trying to figure out how to get you through it. Whatever you're going through. So the challenge for believers is that we live our lives like we know our pilot is flying our plane. And when we do that, it helps us live God strong. And in verses 12 to 23... We get this great example of what living God strong looks like from what Daniel does when he hears about the life-threatening turbulence that's coming in his life. So 12 to 23, because of the king, because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guards, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah and Mishael. And Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows that he knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we have asked you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. So, the king's order goes out into the kingdom to kill all the wise men, which includes Daniel and his friends. Daniel hears about it, and he reaches out to Arioch, the captain of the guards, the guy who's leading out this extermination campaign, and he says, hey, what's going on? Why is this so urgent? And so Arioch fills him in, and Daniel takes his first God-strong action. 
He takes a step out in faith. He requests an appointment with the king to tell him what the dream is before he knows. That's the definition of a step of faith. He doesn't know yet, but he goes ahead and makes the appointment with the king to tell him what it means. You know why he does that? Because he knows the one who does know what it means. He knows the one who gives dreams and interpretations. He's knowing his abilities. He's knowing he has no limitations. He knows all of that, so he steps out in faith on that information, on that experience. He makes an appointment. That's a God's strong step. Steps of faith are just like that, you know. When when we are sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, We'll take a step forward even though we cannot see based on what we believe. When was your last step of faith? Can you remember that? It's not as easy as Daniel makes it out to be. Um, A step out in faith is a step away from, from what is comfortable. It's a step away from what is safe. I mean, it's like a two-year-old coming out to the edge of a big swimming pool. Dad's standing there, arms outstretched, getting ready to jump. It's uncomfortable. It's out of the out of the comfort zone. And these steps, when you're God strong, when you're following Jesus, they will show up in every area of your life. Trusting God with how you do money. Trusting God with your job and, and where you work. Trusting God with where you live. Trusting God with who you uh, are married to or who you might get married to. You know, waiting on Him for that stuff. Faith will show up, steps of faith will show up in forgiving someone who's hurt you and trusting your heart to Him so you can be free to do that. Um, it shows up everywhere. Whatever the case, a God's strong life is going to step out in faith. It's also going to kneel down in prayer. <clears throat> Here, Daniel, uh, He takes this step. After he takes that step, what's he do? He goes home and calls a prayer meeting. He tells his friends what's going on and he urges them, ask God for mercy so that we won't be destroyed. He didn't go home and start planning his escape route. You know, pack your bags, we got to get out of here. That's not what he did. He could have. He could have tried that. He got down on his knees and he went to the one who was able to give them the knowledge that they needed to meet the king's Demands. So his human limitations didn't stop him from trying to solve a problem that he could not solve because he knew the one who has no limitations. So kneeling down in prayer is going to be a cornerstone activity of living the God's strong life. And what a privilege it is, isn't it? That we as God's children, believers, have this invitation by by Him, the sovereign God of the universe, to come to Him with anything, small or big. He wants to know it. He wants to know it all. And we have this assurance that He will hear us and He will answer us. Are you experiencing any of those godless symptoms in your life that seem to be a bit overpowering? Kneeling down in prayer is a key action to be able to relieve those symptoms. Putting them on God. And it's how you be God strong. Daniel's prayer meeting doesn't seem to go very long. That night he actually gets a vision from God that gives him uh, the information he needs to know. And what happens is he wakes up exactly the opposite of King Nebuchadnezzar. 
instead of waking up because, or instead of having a sleepless night, he gets up singing, singing to God in worship. He's going to lift up God in worship. That's the, that's the action to follow. And this is, uh, this is such an enjoyable part of living the God strong life. You know, that, uh, when He has shown up, when He has rescued you, when He has come through for you, when He makes possible what was impossible with you, we will lift Him up in worship and praise, as we should, as, as Daniel did. You know, right now at Living Streams, we're going through something called the Daring Faith Challenge. Um, it's something that we have uh, started uh, almost two years ago. In two weeks, it'll be at the two-year mark, and we've got one year to go. So some of you were here, and some of you weren't here. Um, but but we, we made some goals as a church uh, to grow the church, to, to grow our missions impact, to grow our Good Samaritan impact, and pay off the debt that um, we incurred to buy this place. And so I have been so blessed to see many of you um, just give uh, over and above what you normally would, sacrificing, exercising faith, so that we could try to reach those goals. Um, I don't see it, you know, individually. I just see it in, in conglomerate when it's all together. So since some of you weren't here, um, what we did was we had these Daring Faith commitment cards that we filled out two years ago. And this card is the combined Living Streams Daring Faith card. 32 families committed $488,000 to help us reach these goals as a church. And I thought that was some God-strong stuff going on there, you know? And it is. It's awesome. We are making great progress on all of our goals um, of Daring Faith. One year to go. Now, when we did that, um, we followed the biblical pattern for giving an offering. It's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And the very first thing that uh, was done was the leader, David, he told all the people what he was going to contribute to building the house of God. And so we were following that uh, pattern and um, really made it a challenge for us as a family. But our, our family... Um, stepped out in faith as, as big as we ever have financially, and we committed to giving $25,000 to the Daring Faith goals um, in those three years. <clears throat> and I, I just bring it up um, because I want to I tell you that you know, if you knew what I know about our personal finances, you would know that it is impossible for the Rubel family to give $25,000 in three years to God. But with God, all things are possible. I brought my, our family's, Daring Faith commitment card, and I just want you guys to know, as of January 1 of this year, it's completed. Amen. It's done. <clears throat> so when we sing God is able, I'm telling you, I'm, Daniel... He can do it because he did it. We didn't do it. If we would have never taken that step of faith, we would have never seen the money come. Promise. We were the only people besides my dad who lives next door on our street to get a new roof because of a hailstorm. 
you know, that didn't produce any daring faith money, but God dumping hail on junk cars. It's amazing. I'm not lying to you. I went outside when that was coming down, quarter-sized hail, and I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> Three days later, a guy shows up at my house starts giving me checks for cars that aren't worth anything. <laughs> he can do it. Daniel's song was full of truth about who God is and what he can do. And depending on your step of faith and the prayers that you're praying, your song is going to be full of truth. Words will be different, but it will be the same truth. God is with us, God is for us, and God is able. Let's have our worship team back up. If you've got one of these daring faith commitment cards somewhere at home, and you're kind of scratching your head and wondering how in the world you're going to keep the commitment, let me suggest to you, to follow these actions that Daniel shows us here. Take a step out in faith and give when you don't think you've got it. And then get down on your knees and pray to the one who can provide it to you. And I promise you, you will be singing his praises because he is faithful and he is able. Now when you're done with your daring faith commitment, I want you to bring it to church, tear it in half, and put it in the offering box. Now remember, your name's not on there, so we don't know whose is whose. But that will help us know. And it'll help us see, you know, God is able. And you guys are believing. Now if you are not helping us, or not part of Daring Faith, and you think you might want to be, um, the goals are in the uh, bulletin every week. What we're trying to accomplish, prayer requests in there as, as a church. Um, start looking at that, and then just come and talk to me about what During Faith is all about, and, and we will we will talk about it. It has been an amazing journey for us as a family, and I believe it is for many of you as, a, as, the, as we keep going, as we uh, trust the Lord. So there's activity to trust, right? There's an absence to learn from. There's actions to follow. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we, um, we come to you and... We thank you for being amazing, for reaching out to us when we were lost in darkness, for revealing to us who Jesus is and what he has done and how we can know you, how we can live with you. And so, Lord, we come to you today with lives that have turbulence in them. And... We hear you say to us, cast all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. So as we close today, God, let's just picture your hands out in front of us. Turned up and open. And we take this turbulence we put it in your hands. Our job turbulence. Our future. Our daring faith commitment. Our health. 
our family, our, our life of living God strong. We put it in your hands today. You are able. You are with us. You are for us. Help us to walk in those truths today. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said.